Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, June 27th, 2021. Let's begin our time together today with a reading from Mark's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered round him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came and, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years, She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they had come to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was twelve years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hello there, everybody. What has your week been like this week? Have you ever had one of those days or one of those weeks that just don't go according to plan? 
I often start the week with a pretty clear list of the things that I hope to accomplish, but inevitably, stuff just seems to come up. A friend needs a ride to a doctor's appointment. I have to make a quick run to the grocery store to pick up an ingredient for dinner that I had forgotten. Someone calls to chat and I suddenly realize that we've been on the phone for over an hour. None of these are particularly bad and in fact, some of them are actually very welcome. But it leads me to consider the role that the unexpected plays in our daily lives. By very definition, we can't plan for the unexpected, but that doesn't mean that unexpected things don't add value to our lives. At the very least, when things don't go as we had planned, we have the opportunity to learn how to adapt. We have two examples of this right on top of each other in our gospel reading for today. Over the last couple of weeks, we have had a series of consecutive texts from Mark's Gospel. After skipping a brief portion of Mark's Gospel, our reading for today picks up not far from where we left off last week. You may recall that Jesus had been doing some teaching about how to recognize the kingdom of God at work in the world. He and the disciples then boarded a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee so that Jesus could do more teaching on the opposite shore. Along the way, Jesus performed a miracle, calming a storm that threatened to sink the boat they were in. Last week, we considered that this miracle was evidence of Jesus' identity as God in person and also was a symbol pointing us toward this divine kingdom that Jesus had taught about. Today's reading takes place not long after that event. Having had a seemingly uneventful return to Galilee, we're told that Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd of people. A man named Jairus steps out of the crowd and approaches Jesus. Jairus is the father of a young girl who is quite ill, and he begged Jesus to come to his home and lay hands on his daughter. We see Jairus on his hands and knees at Jesus' feet, begging repeatedly for his daughter's life. The man's desperation is profound and absolute. He will do anything for his little girl, including begging on his hands and knees at the feet of a faith healer. Listen to his language for a moment. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay our hands on her so that she may be made well and live. He's asking for his daughter to be made well and live. His choice of words reflects a deeper meaning of saving and thriving, healing and living. His language describes something that will transform the trajectory of life, not only for the girl but for the whole family. She will have the opportunity to grow to adulthood, quite possibly having a family and living out her natural life. That's when the story takes an unexpected twist. Jesus' encounter with Jairus is disrupted when a woman uses the crowd for cover, surreptitiously reaching out to touch Jesus in search of a healing of her own. We're told that this woman had suffered for 12 years and that she had endured much under many physicians 
spending all that she had, and that she was no better, but rather she grew worse. This lady's ailment impacted her life in ways that were not just physical. According to Jewish law, she would have been considered ceremonially unclean due to her bleeding issue. This meant that she would not have been permitted to participate in the ritual life of the temple. Furthermore, anything or anyone that she touched became unclean as well. The fact that she was in the crowd pressing around Jesus meant that each person who bumped into her would have become unclean too, including Jesus. But after 12 years of suffering, she was obviously desperate for a miracle. We're told that she is healed simply by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus commends her for her faith, assures her of the healing, and tells her to go in peace. Jesus then turns his attention back to Jairus, who has just learned about the death of his daughter. Jesus went to Jairus' home, took the girl by the hand, and called her back to life. Last week, we read about Jesus commanding the forces of nature and calming a storm. Today, we see him standing at a little girl's bedside and exhibiting control over the powers of life and death. As the girl gets up, Jesus told those gathered to get her something to eat. On the surface, the direction to give the girl some food may seem like a simple gesture, but it's indicative of the girl's life returning to normal. These stories share some common elements. First of all, both Jairus and the woman took the initiative and sought Jesus out asking for a miracle. They knew what they needed, and they knew who to go to to get it. Secondly, both Jairus' daughter and the woman in the crowd received physical healing, but the physical aspect of their respective miracles was only a part of the story. In both cases, there was a sense in which the physical aspect of the miracle was the beginning of the story and not the end of it. Jairus' daughter was raised from her deathbed and was able to live out the rest of her natural life. The woman in the crowd who touched Jesus' garment was healed from an ailment that had plagued her for years. She was relieved from an ailment that had been plaguing her for years, impacting not only her health, her finances, but also her ability to fully engage with other members of her community. Her healing didn't just bring physical relief, it allowed her to return to full participation in the life of her faith community. There was a very real sense in which her fullness of life was also restored. Last week, we discussed the idea that God doesn't use miracles as an end in and of themselves. Rather, they are a symbol giving us a glimpse of God's kingdom and helping us to better understand who God is. Today, we have the story of two miraculous healings that serve to underscore that idea. In both cases, the miracles were a means through which individuals were able to experience a renewed sense of life and vitality. They weren't simply healed and restored. They were healed and restored to something. 
In both cases, the recipients were granted a miracle so that they might continue to experience life, not just as individuals, but also through participation in family and community life. Again, we are invited to consider what this text has for us today in our modern era. First of all, these two stories of Jairus and the woman in the crowd invite us to examine where we need healing in our own lives. Are there parts of our own lives in which we experience brokenness or pain? How do those things prevent us from living as fully as we could? How do those things negatively impact our relationships with God, with family, or with other people? We are encouraged to approach God and seek healing wherever brokenness and pain exist in our lives. We are encouraged to name it out loud and to be persistent in our search for healing. This text not only invites us to examine how we see ourselves, but it also invites us to consider how we see other people. We are not alone in our need for healing and compassion. Learning to love others as we love ourselves means intentionally seeking out healing and wholeness, not just for ourselves, but also for other people. As people of faith, are we the kind of people who do our best to show compassion, forgiveness, and healing to others? Do we intentionally seek out practical ways to offer healing to other people, both in our individual lives but also as a community of faith? Someone once said, God uses broken people like you and me to rescue broken people like you and me. This is an integral and daily part of learning to be compassionate and caring people of faith, both individually and as a community. Let's pray. O Christ, for whom we search, our help when help has failed, give us courage to reveal our need and ask to be made whole, so that having authentically encountered you, we may be raised to new and abundant life in the power of your name. Amen. Oh,